Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Kennedy, and you tune in today because you're sick of trying every fad diet under the sun and training yourself into the ground without seeing any results. That's why I'm here to share the most effective ways to eat and train for sustainable and real results. What's up, guys? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast, and it's been a recurring theme over the last couple of weeks, but we've got a former guest back on the show. I'm actually um, in his new gym up here in Sydney, Nick Cheadle. Welcome to the show, brother. Thank you, mate. Appreciate you having me on again. Yeah. It's been a little while. It's been it's a long uh, while, actually. Yeah, you yeah, were we'll probably the first 12 months, I reckon. And how long have you been for now? Three years, nearly. It's impressive, mate. Yeah, consistency. Well, consistency. Well, I, I appreciate you having me back on. I, um, I, I assume it's a good thing. Not, not to chase me down for a crap first Yeah, time. man, I couldn't find anyone else, so I just thought, <laughs> I'm in Sydney, I see there's anyone I know. Um, guys, so if you haven't listened to the, the first episode I did with Nick, I'll, I'll make sure that I've got the link to that in the show notes, but what we're going to do today is basically just kind of talk a bit of smack, really. Um, there is a few topics I want to cover, um, being kind of how to get into more of a structured training program in the gym if you're going from just fucking around, basically... Um, or just starting out with some strength training training stuff. And I also want to chat to Nick about how he transitioned from more of a hypertrophy and strength-based training style to now probably a little bit more powerlifting. Um, I know you do a bit of both, but um, yeah, let's, let's have a chat about that. So firstly, for those that are listening at the moment that have maybe maybe a year, six, six months, two years experience in the gym, um, but are now wanting to take it a little bit more seriously... When you were at that point, what did you kind of do or what would you recommend in regards to how you would set up a program over the span of a week, whether it be training everything twice per week, once per week? What, um, what have you had the, bo- the best experience with? When it comes to programming, I typically recommend three things and those three things are frequency. So looking at ideally training uh, you know, major muscle groups, main lifts a couple of times per week if possible. Yep. Uh, whether that be you know three, four, five, or six days per week, whatever it is you're looking yeah. to commit to, which leads me on to the next thing, is obviously commit to a sustainable training program. So if you simply don't have the capacity to train six days a week, no dramas. Don't try and train six days a week. Because yeah. whilst you might be able to do that for a week or two, chances are you're probably not going to be able to do that for the next three months, three years, 30 years, and actually make some decent progress. Uh, within that, obviously, we also want to make sure that we're doing stuff that we enjoy. Right? Yeah. So... Uh, when it comes to sort of exercise selection and the way you set up your training program, make sure whilst you obviously do get plenty of stuff in there that you might think you need, get some stuff in there that you want as well. If you want to get bigger arms, for instance, make sure you throw plenty of, of arm isolation stuff in there to actually keep you interested uh, and give you something to look forward to when you set foot in the gym. So I guess when it comes to, to sort of creating a program, first things first, look at how much you can commit to each week. If you can train three days a week, four days a week, five days a week, brilliant. If you're not sure, start low and work your way up from there, simply so you can stay consistent in the short term and actually look at creating some consistency over time. From there, that typically will let you uh, sort of figure out how to incorporate that frequency-based protocol, simply because you know when you train three days a week, there's you know, really only a number of ways that you can go about training everything mm, you know, yeah. twice a week. Whereas when you start to look at training four, five, six days a week, maybe you can have some more fun within that training program uh, in order to achieve that higher frequency protocol. Mm, for sure. And especially with those first two points there, like to be honest, the characteristics are very similar 
if not the same as when we talk about flexible dieting and nutrition and macros and shit like that if it's not 100% sustainable or it's mm. not flexible enough and, and fit around your lifestyle then you're not going to stick to it and it's no different with training yeah it just make, it's yeah. just logical 100% isn't absolutely it? Yeah, yeah yeah I mean if you know you fill your program full of stuff that you actually hate doing then that's not going to be much fun yeah you know? exactly um, right like, I hate conventional deadlifts makes me feel like I'm training my spine and uh, don't really like that feeling <laughs> yeah. so I don't do them don't do them yeah. I do sumo instead yeah um, you know some, some things like that you can get a workaround but you know for the most part pick things you enjoy pick things that you can get better at over time mm. um, and then obviously look at, at once you've created that program how you can look at getting better at performing it over time and incorporating things like progressive overload yeah and I often talk about how things like especially your compound movements are just like any other skill they take time and practice and takes doing them fucking well over time that, that, to actually improve them just like it would learning the guitar or playing the drums or absolutely and that's another argument for frequency based training right? yeah because then instead of just training those main lifts once a week yeah all of a sudden we're looking at getting them in twice a week mm. over the course of a year all of a sudden you're hitting them a hundred times a week a hundred yeah. times a year rather than 50 times a year yeah and, and, and over time those sorts of little things add up yeah you fucking hope you're not doing a hundred times a week <laughs> not hundred times a week no, no. Um, now in your experience like this is a pretty open-ended question and there's really no one definitive answer I guess but in your experience what have you found most beneficial in terms of hypertrophy in regards to how you periodize your week or your months in terms of rep ranges because like you see a lot of people in the gym that even that have been training for a long period of time come in do the same lifts mm-hmm. three sets 10 12 reps and yeah. wonder why their lifts are basically the same year in year out or making very small if any increases at all yeah absolutely uh this actually i guess sort of leads into how i got into sort of more strength-based training than even powerlifting after that but um, I guess early on in the piece, I uh, ran a program called Smolov, which yep. you may have heard of, yeah, yeah. which is not, um, I wouldn't highly recommend that program. It was yeah. pretty brutal. Yeah. It, it isn't overly intelligent in terms of the way that it's structured. It's you know, squatting four days a week. At the time, I had a shoulder injury, so it seemed like a good idea. Yeah. I wasn't overly educated at the time, but I ran it and I made some pretty reasonable squat gains at the time. But the cool thing about that program was that it had varying intensities, rep ranges, loads, you know, different amounts of sets every single workout. Yeah. And that sort of got me curious as to how you might go about setting up your own training program with that sort of thing. Yeah. Which then led me into daily undulating periodization. Yeah. And even today, that is still the sort of thing that I incorporate into my own clients' training programs. Mm. So to answer your question more specifically, uh, I guess I look at varying rep ranges throughout the course of a week. So whether you look at doing that in terms of having sort of one heavier day uh, and one lighter day yeah. in order to sort of incorporate more strength-based rep ranges and then more hypertrophy-based rep ranges um, or even look at, you know, one sort of moderate rep range, so around that six to eight to 10 yeah. mark, and then another really high one if, if sort of building muscle is more where you're at. Um, then the good thing about doing that is that you can obviously hit different types of muscle fibers different days, mm. uh, but also look at getting stronger Yeah which is going to help you get bigger. Exactly right. Which is going to help you get stronger, which is going to help, you know. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's a, I reckon that's something that, that a lot side. of people struggle with. It's definitely something that I, before I got educated on it, that I was just like, fuck, there's no chance I'm lifting six to eight reps. So I'm like, I want to build muscle. I want to like get shredded and look jacked. Whereas a lot of people, even though for you and me now, it makes a lot of sense and it's like a no brainer. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people look at something like, say even say five reps, between five and eight reps and go, 
that's not like my goal like I don't want to lift heavy it's not going to make any difference or the set's way shorter so I don't feel like I'm working hard enough and all that type of stuff but as you've just mentioned like the stronger you get on those rep ranges the more load you're going to be able to lift for the higher rep ranges as well and over time it's more volume and exactly right and I think that's the big thing right it's it's all about volume yeah obviously the way that you manipulate that volume in terms of the sorts of um, percentage of loads that you're Mm. hitting uh, is going to sort of impact whether you build you know, probably strength or muscle. But overall, if you are looking at increasing volume over time, whichever way you go about that, it's more often than not gonna to lead to strength and hypertrophy gains. Yeah. So, you know, with that in mind, one tends to complement the other. In regards to get better at one, the other one's gonna go up too. So yeah. as a consequence of getting through more volume over time. Correct. But in saying that, as you've just mentioned, it's hard to do that if you're sticking to that one rep range over again. So if you're always doing sets of 10 to 12, then the chances 100%. are you're not gonna get that much stronger. Absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, unless you know, you're know you manipulating volume in some other way. You yeah. know, you're adding additional tempo, you're doing extra sets. Um, yeah, you know, 100%. But it's definitely the more difficult, yeah. more tedious way of going about it. I mean, yeah. three by 10 every time you go to the gym, that sounds pretty boring. <laughs> Fucking boring, yeah. yeah sure. Um, and if the trainer takes you through that shit, then maybe it might be time to look for a new one. Yeah, I think it was probably time for a, a new one yesterday. Yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, so for someone that might be uh, following a program where they're hitting each muscle group twice per week, let's just say for the sake of it, um, say six days split, they're doing push-pull legs twice. Right. Do you recommend doing the same compound lift for both push days, both pull days, both leg days, or do you like change it up? For example, like would you do on both push days? You do your favorite lift at the moment is it incline dumbbell press? Would you do that twice, or do you have a dumbbell one day, a barbell the next, or a flat one day, incline the next? Same with the legs. But um, I think there's arguments for and against. Really. For and against, yeah. Um, I personally like to. I mean, it really depends, you know, on what the yeah. goal is, and then you can also apply things like personal preference, but. Um, if you are, you know, I guess more down that powerlifting route, it probably makes more sense to have more specificity in that regard. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas uh, if you're just looking at that straight building muscle, then you probably want to think about the movements that are going to contribute most to, to building muscle. So mm. with that in mind, um, you know, you, you could definitely do something like hitting the main lifts once and then hitting a, a variation of the main lifts the yeah. second time in more of a hypertrophy style base so yeah you know maybe supplementing a heavier bench press earlier in the week with a, a lighter incline dumbbell bench for yeah you know your three to three by ten to twelve or something like that and um, then you could do like a squat with a, a tempo squat and then a deadlift with a pause deadlift mm. something like that just to keep things interesting and and get a little bit more variety in there that you can still track and manipulate over time yeah and with the daily undulating periodization um, have you found that you need to de- like take a deload week more often, less often compared to when you were following something that's a bit more kind of, let's say, for example, more linear over the span of months instead of up and down during a week? Uh, I guess it depends on uh, how closely you want to look at your training and, yeah. and track your progress. Yeah. Um, if you're simply going to sit down and say, I'm going to do 10 weeks of training and this is the way I'm going to follow it, that you know, might cause some concern later on down yeah. the track. But if you're one of those people that can look at manipulating volume over time and maybe you're feeling pretty beat up one week, it might be a good option to sort of yeah. tweak those deloads or when they happen yeah. just to make sure that you are consistently progressing. With that in mind, I tend to um, incorporate deloads more frequently than not yeah. and then consider that deload volume as part of the equation just to right. make sure that we're trying to stay away from 
failure as much as possible so that we yeah. can consistently increase without pushing people to a point where they feel they're going to break down. And that was probably something I found when I, because I actually first started trying that um, DUP stuff with you. Mm-hmm. And that was the thing that I found initially, especially at the, the initial few weeks, you walk out of the gym, you're going, fuck, have I done it? anywhere near enough 100% man. and that's hard thing to get yeah, around yeah. initially and it's like it's really like one of the only only times that I've ever told people like trust in the process because I think that's such a wank of a thing to say like yeah. oh just trust in the process like that's spoken by someone that has no fucking idea, <laughs> no fucking about, idea. Right? and they're wondering um, why they're not seeing results yeah yeah but you know in the case of DUP I was exactly the same the first yeah. proper DUP program I ever ran was after small of so okay. it sparked my interest I was working with Lane Norton at the time mm. And he, you know, he was big into the, the the compound lifts and riding those sorts of programs too. So I just said, "Hey, would you, you know, mind putting something together for me?" Same deal. First week of training, I was like, "Mate, this this sucks. This sucks, is like, yeah. I feel like a bitch. Like, yeah. Why am I lifting this?" And he's like, "Yeah." He said exactly the same thing. He's like, "Dude, trust it." He's like, yeah, yeah. four weeks time, you're gonna feel like fucking death." Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he was right. He was so, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was uh, I was fucked after that. And just staying on just. Just quickly staying on the topic of deload. So again, for you or I, we kind of know what to look out for, but for someone that has no idea when it's time for a deload, what are some of the characteristics that they should be looking for uh, mentally and physically in regards um, to when they should take a deload before it's too late? Because I reckon a lot of people fuck it up in terms of pushing themselves past that kind of point where they should have taken a deload. And yeah, then that's 100%. when you get those niggles, the injuries, or you just fucking just don't Absolutely, want to go to Absolutely, yeah. I mean, there's, there's heaps of things that could happen if you push past that. I mean obviously fatigue and um you know injuries are definitely like a big chance if you do start to push that push that envelope a little bit more yeah um a serious decrease in performance is, is pretty much the main thing you know, yeah if things start to feel heavy when that previously not felt heavy it's probably a, chance, a good opportunity to take some time and just pull volume back yeah. a little bit to try and manage yeah. that fatigue and and get some more recovery under your belt because basically the idea behind a deload is to allow fatigue to dissipate. Mm. So, I mean, yeah. that's the sort of thing that you're going to be more in tune with the longer that you train for yeah, and sure. the, the more you track your training so that you can sort of see the amount of volume that you can get through before you start to feel like ass. Yeah. Um, but I guess, you know, other things can, you know, it can be as small as like mental, um, like, like brain fog and like yeah. those sorts of things. Like your session's taking fucking way too yeah. long to get through, you know, respiratory Lack of motivation. Yeah, 100%. Things, yeah. You don't go to the gym anymore, you're yeah. enjoying it. All those sorts of things can um, yeah. can be a good indication that it might be time for just to, you know, take your foot off the pedal for a little bit. Yeah. And what are you, what are you more of a fan of in regards to the deloads? Is it reducing, like, is it dropping a set and keeping the same intensity? Is it reducing the intensity and keeping the volume up a little bit? Like, what, why is it kind of case by case? Yeah, I think it's a little bit more case by case, uh, particularly when you consider somebody's goals in that regard. So with, uh, obviously, clients that have more of a powerlifting-specific focus, mm. uh, you know, I'd be more inclined to look at keeping intensity or load, yeah. but dropping volume. So and is that a central nervous system type well thing, I, mean, it, I guess it depends on on where they are in terms of um the proximity to the to the comp but right, yeah you know if someone's starting to get a little bit fatigued and they're sort of five or six weeks out it's not going to make a lot of sense to pull all that load away from them so okay. they have a week of not lifting anything heavy yeah yeah, yeah you yeah. know so i'd rather give them like you know maybe one or two heavy singles but mm. then give them next to no back off volume okay yeah. so that they're still getting that sort of higher load stimulus yeah. Um, and that's a you know, little bit of um, specificity in terms of training effects, but then not having to make them work so hard after. Yeah, the through. overall workload is dropping yeah, yeah. down a bit, yeah. Whereas when it comes to hypertrophy, um, 
really that's personal preference I mean, yeah I, yeah yeah i'm probably just gonna pull a set or two sets or yeah, yeah. even a couple of reps off each stuff or off each set um and then look to build up again from there. yeah and so i know before like before we started podcast today you mentioned that at the moment training is probably not like your number one priority but obviously you went from I guess more of a hypertrophy and strength-based style of training to now incorporating a lot more powerlifting type stuff. Yep. Um, so how did you find that whole transition from training and, and what is what does your training look like now? Let's say, for example, you were really knuckling down with the training, what would it look, a typical week look like? Well, um, I guess it's hard to give that a, a black and white answer because yep. at the end of last year, I did two powerlifting meets back to back. So that was basically six months of prep okay. without sort of any break. Yeah. Um, I think there was a week off in between where I was in Noosa getting flogged on a beach. But, um, Is that active escape yet? Yeah. Yeah, that was arguably the hardest week of my so life. That works well when I've you've been powerlifting and doing no, no I've never been so sore in my life. Yeah. I literally woke up after the first day and I was like, I'm not going to make yeah. seven, seven days. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess when you think about um, powerlifting and the journey from sort of start to finish in terms of like the start of a prep to meet day, um, there's a uh, an inverse relationship between uh, intensity and volume, basically. Yeah. So I guess the start of the prep, you're looking at plenty of volume, not a great deal of intensity or yeah. load, uh, and then gradually over time, intensity increases, volume decreases. Yeah, yeah. Right? So I guess the majority of powerlifting training and, and programming ends up being more linear, linear in terms of the yeah. way it works. Yeah. There are still elements of sort of undulating periodization within that. Okay. Um, you know, again, it's not gonna make sense to do two heavy deadlift days a week because yeah, exactly. that's gonna kill you. Fuck but yeah, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, obviously the, the closer to a meet you get, the more specific lifting becomes. Mm. So um, I guess accessory work becomes more and more specific. Uh, as well as less voluminous in terms of how much of it you're doing. Yeah. Whereas uh, earlier on in the prep, heaps and heaps of volume. Um, yeah. I guess much much closer to a bodybuilding, bodybuilding style, style training program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With obviously still a large emphasis on main lifts or accessories of main lifts, okay. just to practice positioning and. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, I guess uh, form good habits for those main lifts for when you're under more pressure or more load. Yeah. Later in the prep couple questions out of that so first one um did you find that in terms of muscle mass and the way you actually looked obviously nutrition may have changed around a little bit did you find that it was much of a difference between going from more hypertrophy based training to the powerlifting and secondly um could you give us an example of like what an accessory movement may be that is going to help your squat or your bench or your deadlift for someone that may be wondering what the fuck that even means. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. So, uh, so to answer the first question, um, so I competed in two powerlifting meets last year. The yeah. first of which I competed in the one hundred five, the one hundred and five kilo class. Now, I yeah. typically sit around anywhere from sort of ninety eight to one hundred kilos. Yeah. If I'm not overly strict with tracking my macros. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Enjoying my diet, uh, which is great. So you know, obviously that prep, I pretty much had no limitations. Yeah, yeah. I would have to eat a lot of food to push my weight above 105 on a consistent basis. So you have to be above 105? No, I had to be under. Oh, so 105 right. okay, so was comfortable. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, for me, that prep was simple in regards to the fact that like food was not you know, an issue. A factor, yeah. Yeah, I could pretty much eat whatever I wanted, yeah, cool. to be fair. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I said, I would have to eat a lot of food consistently to you know, get close to pushing my weight above 105. So. 
Um, in terms of that, food was you know, not a problem. You know, yeah. And if anything, I was encouraged to eat more than I would normally. Okay, yeah. So Friday night pizzas became pretty frequent. Yeah. But um, in terms of the way that I looked, there's definitely, I mean, probably not as much volume as a typical yeah. hypertrophy program that I would put myself through. Yeah. I mean, when I first you know, got into fitness, I used to put myself through like crazy volume workouts. Mm. I mean, I look back on some of them now and I just think like, how did I do that for so long? Yeah. Whereas when it comes to powerlifting and like the big lifts, they're far more taxing on the body. Yeah. So even though I'm not getting through quite as much volume at those lower percentages, mm. um, as you would like bodybuilding and you know, doing those sort of like yeah, isolation yeah. movements or machine-based work, I found it, um, you know, every bit as difficult to recover, if not more difficult to recover. Yeah. But at the same time, because rest periods tend to be so long, yeah, there's definitely nowhere near as much of a pump as yeah. uh, what you might get when you yeah. train for hypertrophy. So I, I do, I do find that when I'm training with lots of volume and doing you know lots of supersets and yeah. going through, you know, thirty to fifty set workouts. I tend to look better, yeah, more consistently, simply because I feel like I'm training. Did you lose muscle mass? Um, I don't think I lost muscle mass. Certainly not the one of fives. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then on the flip side, the comp after that, um, it was like a team challenge at the end of the year. So Paragon entered a team. Okay. And we looked at who else had entered, and there was an absolute monster competing in the one of five. So I was like, well, I'm no chance of beating that dude. Yeah. Um, it's Nick Walters, if uh, if you know him. I, yeah, uh, yeah. I actually went to, went to school and played cricket against him for uh, quite a while. But he um, he is one strong human being now, and we just decided, you know, that would be at best a second place. Okay. But in the '94s, I was okay. probably a better chance of winning. Right. So we made the decision that I would diet down to '94s. Okay. Which is obviously uh, somewhat less than what I was before. So at the 105 combine, I competing. So basically, had to lose around five kegs. Yeah, so I actually competed at 102.5. Right. Yeah, so I'm okay. having to lose, you know, like... Substantial Almost, amount. yeah, like about nine kilos. Shit. So, obviously, you had to, you know, start dieting and tracking mm. my macros yeah. pretty consistently in that regard. So, that meant that food then became far more of an issue. Yeah, yeah. Um, Obviously, one of the biggest challenges with dieting, in particular with powerlifting, is obviously performance. Yeah. So it became very important as to when I would eat in regards to when I would train. Like your macronutrient timing become more important. 100%, yeah, yeah. So you know, normally I wouldn't be a huge proponent of worrying about when you're eating you know, your macros. Yeah, when, yeah, yeah. When you're eating to hit your macros outside of making sure you get a good pre-workout meal in to ideally have a good session. Fuel the workout, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But obviously during that prep, far more important than yeah. the previous one. Whereas I felt the previous one I had so much energy just on hand for mm. eating a surplus. It didn't necessarily matter as exactly, much. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I could you know I could train at six AM and still be relatively strong. Yeah. Whereas the second one, you know, it was almost like I had to train after one PM because until that point in time I just felt like an absolute bitch. You know, did just, it feel did it feel similar to a prep for a physique show? Um I never got to the stage where I was like, you know, lightheaded or like dragging my feet yeah. in the gym. My calories, I mean I guess um, my body weight still being at 93, 94, 95 yeah. kilos I mean, it meant that I, I, I'd never had to dip below, I think, 2,600 calories. Yeah. So still okay. reasonable in terms of reasonable, how much food yeah. I was having, but being in a you know, deficit for 12 weeks still takes its toll. And as training loads increase. Naturally, yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. you know, plus the other thing that, um, you know, I learned very quickly was that your leverages change as well. Yeah. You know, obviously, at the end of the day, like basically more weight moves more weight, mm. right? The heavier Especially you are. Especially on the pushing exercise. 100%. The heavier you are, the easier it is to lift more weight. Yeah. Know? Um, so all of a sudden I found that 
if I you know hit a squat in in the slight you know like ever so slightly wrong position, it was so much harder. Yeah. So like a lot of that focus was on execution. Yeah. It's rather that? than just getting you know aggro and just hitting a squat as hard as I could type yeah, thing. Yeah, so yeah. Um, I guess that's you know a great lead up to the accessory question because. Um, you know, a, a lot of accessory movements are there to help you sort of nail positioning throughout a lift yeah. so you can be in the strongest possible position. Yeah. And obviously the more you can practice that position, uh, the better opportunity you'll have to execute at those high percentages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I guess one of my favorite examples would be for the deadlift, um, a pause deadlift, basically okay. uh, sort of pausing you know, three to six inches off the floor throughout the lift. Yeah. So lift, literally picking the weight up pausing three to six inches off the floor, holding that position for a one or a two count, and then finishing off the lift, ensuring that when you are pausing, you're actually getting your torso in the position that you yeah, want to yeah. be uh, and getting that immediate feedback as to whether or not you're in the right position. Because right. if you aren't, typically what happens is you'll either get pulled forward because the weight yeah. is too far out in front of you, um, or you'll be in too upright a position, in which case you've started using your back a little bit prematurely throughout the lift. Okay. Um, and then obviously then finish off the lift. But um, by, by incorporating that sort of a movement into your program, when it comes time to actually pulling a proper deadlift, because you practice that position, yeah. ideally over time you get better at executing a proper deadlift yeah, and yeah. where you need to be throughout the lift yeah. in order to pull and would, efficiently. Would you typically find that if you were to hit a weight where you were like touch and go whether you're gonna make it, that would be the point where you'd be struggling to get past anyway? Did it help in that regard? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, all, I, th- I, think, I think I think when you look at a powerlifting prep, every single session is an opportunity to practice execution. So yeah. that on the day, you have every opportunity to execute to the best of your ability. Yeah. So I don't think um, I don't think like doing a pause deadlift, for instance, will be the difference between like hitting a, a third attempt and not. Yeah. But it is the sort of thing that will best prepare you for that third attempt. Yeah. Because if you have got your positioning down yeah. and you know where you need to be, then basically you're going to be able to use the muscles that you need to use mm. in order to pull through or have every opportunity to pull that lift. Yeah. For instance, with the pause deadlift, typically what you want to see uh, for a conventional deadlift, for instance, is pulling up towards the mid shin without your torso becoming any more upright yeah. than it was throughout the lift. So that then as you continue on from the pause, you can lock your knees, quickly yeah. follow the hips through and use your glutes at the top of the rib. Right. Whereas what you like often see when um, a conventional deadlift breaks down at a higher load is that the knees will shoot back prematurely, yeah. effectively sort of turning into a stiff leg deadlift. And then rounds, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But you know, when, you, when you're talking about hitting a one at max, it's yeah, yeah. something you've never hit before, good luck stiff, stiff leg deadlifting, all right? <laughs> Game over, yeah. yeah. So by practicing that position, ideally when it comes crunch time, yeah. you can hold that position and actually use your glute to the top of the rep rather than cooking them from the out. Did, um, so, so with the accessories that you found helped work best, were they basically variations of that lift? Or did you find, for example, like with the deadlift, was there any, or even the squat, was there any other movements that you were doing that weren't a squat variation that were helping the squat? Or like um, a bench press, were you doing any tricep exercises that you felt helped with the lockout? Oh yeah, the bench? of course. Yeah. Obviously, the majority of the, the programming around mm. is around those those three lifts. Basically, yeah, yeah. there's there's not a lot of hypertrophy work, particularly the closer you get to comp. Yeah, that isn't in there for a reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. every exercise in there has a purpose. 
um, there's there's no real filler exercises. Yeah. You know, like there's never a, a point where you get to you know writing a powerlifting program and go, well, fuck, there's only four or five exercises here. Why don't we just throw some shrugs in? You know. Yeah. It's not going to happen because it's just not necessary. Not necessary. Know? Yeah. Um, it's all about managing fatigue and managing load and managing yeah. recovery over time, um, and and getting enough training stimulus to get stronger over time, but also being able to recover yeah. for the next session. So yeah, there's obviously a lot of tricep work in there to help with pressing and there's a lot of um, you know lower body hypertrophy work to help with pushing and pulling, mm. um, but there isn't necessarily a lot of bicep curls. Yeah. There isn't necessarily a lot of hanging leg raises for ab hypertrophy. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of functional core strength yeah. type stuff that might help with bracing throughout the main lifts. Yeah. But when it comes to sort of the way you look, not much not so much yeah absolutely I, th- I feel as though now it's becoming more and more common for physique athletes to almost be adopting like a hybrid between powerlifting or at least like high load low volume strength training yeah um, and the hypertrophy work so do you find that can be an effective way to to still look phenomenal on stage but still have a focus on performance side of things in the gym or if you were to compete again on stage would you uh, edge things back towards just a, a higher volume program and um, no I think there's I think there's definitely merit to incorporating some heavier stuff in your programming I don't yeah. think uh, you'd ever look at getting uh, so heavy that you, you know, consider hitting a power team at the same time but um, I think there's definitely merit going back on the point that we touched on previously in that getting stronger will also help you get bigger because yeah. by getting stronger at whatever it is you're doing ultimately when it comes to those higher um, working sets of the tens and twelves, you're lifting more weight there too, which is yeah. going to mean volume increases more dramatically yeah. over time. Um, I think you know. I mean, we you know talking shit before about how my training isn't a huge priority at the moment, but the way that I'm sort of um, approaching things at present is is exactly what you're talking about. That sort of power building yeah. um, term that you're thrown around these days, yeah, yeah, whereby. Yeah. Typically, the first lift or two in my session will be more strength orientated. So yeah. it might be um, a squat, bench, deadlift, or a variation of one of those yeah. lifts uh, before I then get more into the bodybuilding side of things. Yeah, the higher volume sets yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there's, I guess, that sort of like higher training stimulus, which sort of really, um, I guess, switches the central nervous system on and gets you working at a, at a higher intensity and a higher yeah. frequency. And then you get the, that opportunity afterwards to essentially chase a pump you know, controlled manner that you can yeah. obviously track over time. Yeah, yeah, bloody oath. Oh, a couple more questions before we wrap it up. Um, I often get asked the question, like what, whether it be podcasts, books, seminars, or just YouTube videos and shit like that for people to look at that they want to upskill their knowledge on, whether it be training or nutrition. Do you have sources or websites and, and blogs and stuff? Obviously, yours that I'll have a link to in the, the show notes, but is there anyone that you kind of still get knowledge from now and look up to or have taken knowledge from in the past? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's there's always like the main guys that would you know be considered to be in the evidence-based community. I think yeah. um, some of the best examples of that are people like Brett Contreras, um, you know, Lane Norton puts out a lot of good stuff, Eric Helms, all the guys from yeah. 3DMJ, um, Brad Schoenfeld, James Krieger, all those guys that do a lot of the science themselves yeah. and actually write about it. Uh, and then, um, as far as YouTube is concerned, I don't, I don't think there's even better than Jeff Nippard at the moment. Man, the videos so fucking good, dude. He, the videos he puts out, I don't know how long they take him. Yeah, but and they're all fucking quality. It's obviously like a full time job for him now. Yes, yeah. awesome. nuts. Yeah, absolutely. But nuts. Um, yeah, his videos are incredible, and they all touch on 
like legit stuff you know it's not yeah. just like bullshit it's not just there for views it's yeah, like exactly yeah, it's like, a knowledgeable video 100 percent. yeah so he is he is awesome um and then uh i guess i've got to suggest my uh, my upcoming project which is my physique yeah uh has an extensive so going to touch on next yeah yeah so it has an extensive blog section which hopefully uh We'll see some people like Brett Contreras be involved with in the future as well. Sweet. So are you able to give us any idea of what this what it's going to involve? Yeah, absolutely. And man. also so, like where people can keep an eye out for it. For absolutely. Myphysique.io is the Instagram username. It's also the website, which is kind of handy. Cool. Um, My Physique is going to be essentially a, uh, a sort of a low ticket coaching product whereby cool. it is the product for people that can't afford an actual coach. Yeah. So it's a uh, it's a macro based coaching engine, fitness diary, and training program. Yeah. So it allows app users based to, or uh, yeah, or so on, okay. app and desktop. Sick. Yeah. So it's cool. Been, uh, yeah, it's been about fifteen to eighteen months in development so far. Yeah. And uh, basically allows the user to sign up, get their macros calculated for them, check in each week, and have their macros uh, tweaked, changed in real time, so that they can carry on progressing towards their goal. I don't know. Yeah, whilst also obviously uh, accessing a training program that they want to be following. Yeah. Obviously push them forward to their goal, or closer to their goal, in a manner that also allows them to track their training volume and you know, do all the stuff that we've been talking about today. Yeah, cool. And um, so if they jump on either the Instagram or the website, they'll be able to keep up to date. Is this, it's not launched yet? No, no, April 1. Okay. April 1. April 1. Yeah, so uh, just a Busy few weeks ahead of you then. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, we're getting, getting pretty close now. But yeah, um, yeah it's, um, I guess I'm, I'm part of a team with all this stuff. So it's not, yeah. it's not essentially my product, but there's going to be a lot of opportunities to... Fantastic. That's a lot of different sort of exclusive content from cool. some pretty big names as well. So, Fantastic. Very exciting. Well, Legend, appreciate you coming on the show today for round two. It's been fun. <laughs> mate, round two is, uh, I think it was better than round one. I hope it was better. It was better for sure, mate. Fuck, I can't even listen to myself speaking in the first 12 months. <laughs> oh, yeah, I can imagine. I look uh, back on some of the stuff that I used to do years ago and I just think, oh, it's painful. Why the fuck would anyone yeah. watch, listen to, or follow me? When for, people for contact this? me now and go, like, I've just found your podcast, can't wait to go through all the episodes, I'd say, like, <laughs> maybe don't. start at about 50 <laughs> and just go forward from there. Don't yeah. worry about all the other ones. I know. I know. I've got the same deal with um, whenever I produce YouTube content. Yeah. I've got, like, the films and edits for me now. And uh, he's like, do you want to watch it before I post it? I'm like, no fucking way. No like, chance. I've, I've, yeah, it's already been hard enough to actually talk into a camera. Just just post it. I don't want to hear myself talk in a camera because no doubt. It, yeah, it's, hard, it's hard to watch or listen back yeah, to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't know. Other people can listen to it. Watch it. Go for it. Go for it. I don't yeah. fucking see it. Fuck that. Well, guys, thanks for tuning in today. If you've enjoyed the episode and taken some value from it, which I'm sure you have, uh, make sure you take a screenshot of today's episode and post it up on your Instagram story. Tag myself, tag Nick. Um, I'll have all the links to his socials and website and everything in the show notes below. Um, but we'd love to hear your feedback and who knows, we might do another one um, in six, 12 months time. We'll see how the program's going or next time I'm in Sydney or you're in Melbourne. Um, but guys, if you haven't hit that subscribe button already, please do. And again, Nick, thanks for coming on the show, man. Pleasure, man. Thanks for having me.